This program is brought to you by P1 Australia, quality racing components and manufacturers of engine water heaters for midgets, sprints, wingless and all types of open wheel dirt track cars. Check out their full range today at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. Hi, I'm Chaz Monster, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Coming up on this episode of Inside Supercars. You know, the test day, we, we had a really good plan, and George and Tom and Wayne, the engineers, the main engineers, did a really good job of focusing for those last six months before we raced them on what the car's going to need, like technically what it's going to need, not what we think it might need, but it was actually spreadsheets and simulations of what's this car going to need. So they all come to the same conclusion, which is always a good thing when three engineers can go, right, this is what we think it needs, and pretty much straight out of the gate, both drivers were like, it actually feels really good, and they both of them, it was like they had a lobotomy over the summer and they didn't care about the old car anymore. They're just like, we want to focus on this car. So sit back and enjoy as Inside Supercars starting now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock. And continuing our team briefings for the 2024 season, I'm with Barry Ryan at Erebus Motorsport. My first visit to this larger, much larger uh, enterprise than uh, last time I saw you in Moravan. And uh, it's a very impressive uh, resource that you've got here. And obviously it's going to be changing soon again, you're saying. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Good to be um, back into 24 season. Um, yeah, we've got a we've got a great little workshop here, but you know we just want to make it a bit more um, user friendly and you know like we've said, our on track performance is really strong now. We want to make our off track a bit better, so we're going to make it a, a nicer place for the guys to work. As in, you know, it's very cold in the workshop in winter and very hot in summer, so we're going to climate control the workshop, um, make our reception a lot bigger, so we can put our championship car in there and stuff, and and spread our trophies out a bit more and. Yeah, just make it a nicer place for sponsors to turn up and go, yeah, this is this is one of the coolest workshops in Australia. And instead of, it's, it's okay, but it's it served the purpose for doing what we did and we won a championship. So the workshop doesn't win you a championship, but it can help um, the off-track stuff and your fans and the sponsors. So. so you've got 16 people you said on staff? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and plus the odd contractor like yep. George Commons, yep. etc. Um and uh, everything else is bought in sort of thing, as in the engines are flown in and you said that the sub-assembly, the gearboxes go out. Yep. But other than that, it's all built in here or at Mount Gambier? Yeah, all the fabrication side of it is done in Mount Gambier by Jimmy. Um, machine shop, we don't have CNC machines here, so we rely on outsourcing that stuff. But, um, you know, between Brad Jones, we've got a great working relationship with those guys, Flexi Cutter around the corner, Robbie O'Brien. Um, yeah, we've got plenty of resources that we use there that are really helpful and try and work with teams as much as we can to try and keep the money in the sport. Um, but yeah, gearboxes we send out for the transmission off to a guy we've used for five or six years and it's just easy. He, he does a really good job. He's Formula One quality sort of um, engineer. Um, yeah, but apart from that, everything else is in-house, all the sub-assemblies and put the car together and all that, yeah. Okay. Now, you've shown me that the new cars, 7 and 8, your chassis, that's the 7th and 8th 
chassis yep. that have been built by Airbus Motorsport. Yep. Yep. Obviously, in VF days, there were those cars. Yeah. Um, and how many of those do you still keep, VFs? Um, we've sold... Obviously, Terry owns two of the VFs that we had, mm-hmm. um, two of the ex Walkinshaw ones, and we sold him one of our ZBs. Right. Okay. Which was, I think, number three from memory. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it was Will's car that was brutally damaged in Adelaide. Yeah. Was it a turn eight? I can't remember the incident. No, turn four. Turn four. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. On the right. outside here. of Anton, yeah. 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 Um, and, of course, the championship car, you want to keep it intact as a championship car. Yeah, so pretty much well, today's the first time we've touched it. We've had it sitting in a um, jam dealership for over Christmas so people can go and enjoy it. And they used it um, to just, you know, get their customers in and enjoy seeing it there, so... Yeah, so we're taking the engine out because you sort of got to use the engine case up until 8,000 before you're allowed to um, get a new engine. So yeah. we'll do that. And then the bodywork will stay the same and it's still got confetti and stuff on it. We're just trying to work out a way to seal that confetti on it so it can be on there for life. But, um, yeah, it's just a something we decided we wanted to do and Betty was happy to do it and invest in a new car. So she, we keep that one because... In hindsight, after we won Bathurst, we would have loved to keep that car. But you know, that's it's still here. It's still in the in the system somewhere. But it's it right. got crashed by Anton. It still hasn't been fixed. So um, we've we want to put that together one day. So Betty's got a two Bathurst winning cars, which is the twelve L car, a supercar, and a championship winning car in her little museum that she's got at home. She was telling me in Adelaide about her garage underneath yeah. the new house she's built. We call it a museum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> museum. Which uh, it sounds like there's plenty of room, you know. Yeah, no, it's pretty pretty nice. Like she's she's proud of what she's done with that house she's built in Robinson, and it's, um, it looks like a little one bedroom cottage sitting on top of. But when you walk inside and underneath, it's it's way more than a one bedroom cottage. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, now you had a stupendous year last year, um, and um, of course. Um, the amazing thing was with that year, I mean, you know, it was highly touted and it was proved true that these young drivers, the young ones in the, in the pack, are going to be the ones who most benefit from these cars. They're going to be the ones that adapt quicker to the cars. I actually remember Will saying to me at Phillip Island, it was a TCR round, but Will saying to me, as long as Shane keeps on whinging, will we keep winning? Yeah. Um, and and so, so it was. Um, unfortunately, Shane probably did himself in the head more than likely. But the, the extraordinary thing about last year for you guys was round one to round 12 pole positions. Mm. You know, Brody and Will, between the two of them, you know, it's an extraordinary job. Yeah. When did you know at what time? Was it on the test day when the cars rolled out? What was it that you saw in the car that this is going to be a winner? Uh, I think right back to the initial planning of how we were going to build these cars, I, I probably knew that this was going to be a good opportunity for us to take a step, you know, against our competition. And that's purely just, you know, everybody does a good job. And But when we decided to do it a certain way and invest a bit more in than others in the jigging of the chassis and all that sort of stuff and, you know, really, really focus on how can you make the wheel bearings nicer and all, all that all the stuff that, you know, you probably didn't have as much control of in the older car because, you know, we, we didn't do some of that stuff and we took a, some of the more sub-assembly stuff on for Gen 3 and built it all ourselves and, 
Yeah, over the test day, we we had a really good plan, and George and Tom and Wayne, the engineers, the main engineers, did a really good job of focusing for those last six months before we raced them on what the car's going to need, like technically what it's going to need, not what we think it might need, but it was actually spreadsheets and simulations of what's this car going to need. So they all come to the same conclusion, which is always a good thing when three engineers can go, right, this is what we think it needs, and pretty much straight out of the gate, both drivers were like, it actually feels really good, and they... Both of them, it was like they had a lobotomy over the summer and they didn't care about the old car anymore. They're just like, we want to focus on this car. There was always things that were different to the old car, like, but they just didn't focus on it and they just focused purely on what was going to win them races in that car with that aero and that brake package and whatever else. So I think attitude was a big thing um, in making sure that Brody and Will just you know, went out straight, straight away and were fast. Okay. Oh, as you know better than me, I can remember being written on uh, John Faulkner's walls back in the uh, 90s. Um, poor, poor preparation, whatever The, the six P's, on. piss poor preparation prevents, uh, proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so right from that very first test day with the new car, yeah. I mean, you, you, I, I know teams have, you know, very strict regimented, this is what we're going to test. Mm. Did, right from those first results of seeing those things when they happened, when you were doing those tests, did you say, wow, yeah, that's it, That yeah, we hit those marks? Yeah, I think so. And the, the way the drivers were working together, the engineers were working together, there was no car 9 or 99. They had a combined plan of we'll go that way, you go that way. If this way is looking really strong, we'll convert to that way. And it was, yeah, it was a massive team effort what happened last year, and I can't stress that anymore, that from the two drivers... Um, uh, to the engineers, the mechanics, it was just a there was no egos in the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've broken you know a trend obviously from the last twenty uh, something years, mm. um, twenty four years we could say, of uh, you know first it was HRT and Walkinshaws and, and then Triple Eight came along and then mm. DJR Penske, and most of those scenarios have actually changed tri- quite dramatically in the time. Mm. So you've broken the trend, you've broken that run that they had. Uh, that must be very pleasing in itself. You'd already done it with a Bathurst win in 2017. Yeah. But now to um, actually uh, defend that title, or both those titles, both mm. drivers and teams, um, what do you think you need to do more now? Is there another 10% more, or what, what is it? Um, yeah, probably not. We, we, we do keep it pretty simple. We don't, we don't go too extravagant on things, but I think... Um, the biggest the loss is obviously Will, but you know we've got a great replacement in Jack. But you know we did want to really focus on the same team for two years in Gen Three, and that's that's really disappointing. But you know in the same breath, I understand Will's decision. But um, I really think and the, what the way we've seen Jack uh, react since we've been able to you know do more with him and actually get to know him better, or the engineers get to know him because I already knew him pretty well. He's he's really really good, really technical, a bit like Brody. Like, well, he come up through his Formula Ford days as a mechanic. That's how he yeah. he paid for his Formula Ford. He was working on the cars, and um, it was funny. He prepped Todd Hazelwood's car and Macaulay Jones's car when he was at Minda with Brian Beasley. So, oh, okay. yeah. So he he knows the mechanical side of a car, and he really understands it well. So that's probably the most exciting thing for us. And Will was a bit the opposite. He was just getting to drive fast. That's yeah. what he's good at naturally. So yeah, having um, 
a bit more of a technical driver could be a good thing, I think. Yeah, sometimes it, it's not always good, but I think when they actually understand it, like um, Jack understands it really well like Brody does. I imagine that the impact on Brody will be quite profound in terms of his development as a human being, as mm. somebody not just in the car, because he now has the backing, not only of your team, of course, but of himself, the, the self-belief, and, you mm. know, when you're somebody as fierce as he, competitor as he is, mm. to have actually now achieved, you know, the first step of his, his goals in life, I imagine. Yeah, Brody's a really intense um, guy, but he's really passionate about what he's doing and always um, wants to do it better it uh, doesn't matter how if he's on pole he wants to be on pole by more so yeah. you know that that side of it I know at the end of the year he was really drained like you probably wouldn't have seen it he did, he did a good job of hiding it he was really good in the media at the end there and um, but I know he needed a holiday and that I think just mentally he's he really drained himself to try and stay at that level that he that he got to and um, yeah it is hard it's intense he's still only 26 years old so He's got a lot of life lessons to learn, and you know we're we're here to make sure he learns them and support him as much as we can. But you know he 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 needed that break, and you know he's been pretty quiet in the off season. Where he's just fully focused on doing it again. And you know, like he said in the press that he wants to be a he wants to have a legacy. He wants to be a multiple champion and not just one cha- one championship and be forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is he married or wife? Or no, he's got kids? a girlfriend. Yeah, got a girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, and they live together up in Brisbane. Or yeah, Queen Gold, yeah Coast? Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I mean, I, I met him, and I was very fortunate to have uh, spent the time when he was part of the um, uh, Kostecki brothers yeah. racing. Yeah. And so very early, I mean, it was like his his first uh, couple of meetings, yeah. and um, I actually remember at one stage there was. Stephen, who's the younger brother of Kurt and Jake, yeah. um, was running around. And I said, oh, is that your kid, <laughs> Brody? And they all laughed. Oh, yeah. it's hilarious. You know, yeah. No, he hasn't got any kids. Oh, not you know of. You know, sort of <laughs> um, so he's a very grounded person. Um, the great thing is for you in rehiring Jack, so to speak, um, is that he's won a race now. And mm. he had that, you know, which is fantastic. And obviously yeah. Matt Stones had that first win with you up in Darwin. Yeah. Was it Darwin? No. Yeah, Darwin. Yeah. Darwin, yeah. 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 Um, so that was one little piece almost of his jigsaw that needed to be completed. You must be... You, he was a GT driver principally when he was with Erebus? Yeah, yeah. Well, I first met Jack through Bruin Beasley at Minda Motorsport when the Formula Ford year. So yep. I, I call it my little gap year there where I went away from supercars a bit and went to work on Formula Fords and then got introduced to this Erebus GT program and... Yeah, Jack was exceptional in the Formula Ford and then in the GT car he's phenomenal and then had a small opportunity with Erebus in the Mercedes and and then basically we just, he went his way, we went ours and just nothing aligned at the time so you know, it was great to have him back and he's still the same Jack I remember and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him get in the GT car next week at Phillip Island and then do the 12 hour so it's going to be good for him to get back in one And you were involved heavily in that? Yeah, well, not not heavily, but yeah, we're we're supporting Justin McMillan in in motorsport. Um, yeah, Tom's going to go and engineer him as long as his wife crosses her legs for a bit longer because he's got a baby due soon. But oh, okay. um, but yeah, but I'll be there to support him however I can. I don't care if I'm making lunches or you know. Is it Sandown, isn't it? Uh, Bathurst twelve oh, hour. Bathurst twelve hour. Yeah, twelve hour. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Jack Jack's ready to go, and I, I remember when he won at um, Darwin after he got pole. I went up and had a bit of chat to him and just said, mate, just 
get the start right and just go. You know, because it sounds easy, but these cars, it makes a big difference when you're leading because of the tyre temperature and all that. So, yeah, you know, I was I was probably as happy as Matt Stone when he when he won the race. I was up at the up at the podium with him and making sure I saw him get presented the trophy, and it was yeah, it was a good feeling. Yeah, because it, it felt like it'd been a big part of Jack's success, and hopefully we can give him more. When did you? Uh make the overtures to him to join after Will had announced his August, was it? Was it August? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I guess straight off the tail on Ben, there wasn't probably a driver in pit lane that didn't call us. So <laughs> um, Jack was probably the... He, he took a bit longer to call us, and I sort of had him on my list, and I thought, oh, I don't know where he's at, whether he's gone to contract or not. And I don't like um, poaching drivers, so I probably let didn't go ringing anyone really I just he called me one day and just asked what the deal was and I said I'm glad you called me because I wasn't going to call you and it's because like I said it's not the way I do business and yeah it just ended up that he he was out of contract and you know I feel sorry for Matty Stone because I know how hard how much effort they put into Jack and the belief they put into him but sometimes it's it's just business and you just got to um do do the deal you can do at the time with the best driver you can do it with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. One of the other things that you introduced, I think it was last year, was Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yep. Um, which they must have been over the moon as to suddenly walk into, bang, yeah. we've got a championship. Yeah. yeah, we'd had a pretty good relationship with Coke for a few years and they'd obviously just given us drinks as part of a partnership, but then there was the year before where they really wanted to sponsor us and the boosting sort of didn't align and... They only wanted to do one car, and um, and then yeah, they, there was the opportunity once Boost spat the dummy and pulled out that we um, we started a conversation with them, and they were really keen. And um, yeah, it's just the the planets aligned, and they're, they're great to deal with. Um, yeah, obviously the biggest brand in the world, really. So you can't go wrong with um, having Coca Cola on the side of your car. Are you the chief contact for for the, that? company? No, not really, no. Um, Shannon does most of the management right, with that. Okay. And, yeah, so, yeah, I, I know all the people I need to know, but yeah, it's yeah. Not, not my role, really. You know, if I need to get involved, it means there's probably something wrong, or or I've done something wrong, probably. So. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it must be tremendously, you know, to have delivered to a, it's very rare, mm. a new sponsor, mm. here you go. Yeah. Oh, it was probably... As much as Coke, you know, to see them in the sport for so long, to, for them to get a reward back for all the money and effort they've put into all the teams along the way. And, um, yeah, it's great to see their faces at Adelaide when it all eventuated. And, and the, the sponsors that have been behind us through the hard times, like Shore and Partners and Southern Cross Truck Rentals and Pedders and all those all those ones that have just stuck by a Snap-on. They've been with us since the Snap-on, uh, since the... GT days, they're probably yeah. the first sticker we've ever had on a car, and yeah, it's still yeah. on there. So, sure, yeah, partners is an unusual one. Yeah, you know, there's not many boys uh, front up to uh, get involved in motorsport. Oh, it's an investment company. Investment, so, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, partners. Yeah. Oh, it's an investment firm. Yeah, financial oh, okay. services. Yeah. So, oh, okay, right. Uh, but they they are really passionate about it, and it's you know they deal with data and charts as much as we do. So you know, there's yeah. a bit of synergy there. But Earl and Alan, who are co-CEOs, they're just really passionate about racing and. More so Earl, but now Alan's probably got more into it as we've had the success, and okay. right. they they heavily support um, surf life saving around Australia and put a lot of money into that, yeah, which yeah, is obviously I saw good. Yeah, seen their name and yeah, the Ironman series and all that, and 
yeah, they, they, mainly Earlier yeah, really loves his sport. Okay. And if he can get all these, um, you know, I think 300-something staff he has Australia-wide, that if they can all embrace it, it makes them work harder and they get more money out of it. So, okay. so I, I hope well, I know it works for them, even though, you know, uh, Earl said plenty of times that he probably doesn't make anything out of it and he just loves it. But I think now he's actually seeing that there's some benefit in, yeah, yeah. in what he, the eyeballs that see Sean Partners. Um, obviously, there was a number of times last year where you came out quite publicly and said, you know, the Fords obviously need something more, mm. uh, and that you've been vindicated in that, that, that clearly that there was a deficiency there. Um, have you seen yet the results of the engine change, or well, not change, but the engine parity test that was done at QR a week or so ago yet? No, I've heard a little bit about it, but um, I think it was more a test to make sure the torque sensors were working properly. Mm-hmm. But um, they're, they're worldwide technology. Like There's categories that run them to actually control parity. So the sensors are right, and and from what I hear, there's, there's not a lot to see yet. But, um, yeah, like I said, the data's probably not 100% ready to go yet so that's probably why nothing's been made public of it but yeah the, the initial the initial data was promising that there's not a lot in it but um you know it'd just be nice to tick that box and make sure we start the year with no one saying they've got an advantage or a disadvantage because yeah we, we didn't need what we what what we had happen last year and and back to the parody thing i guess when i was standing up from at bathurst it was like they had a pretty good argument, and I'm not saying that they had a deficiency, but you know, if they wanted to, they wanted to shift their balance more than anything. They didn't want more aero, and um, in the end, hindsight says that the GM team should have ticked it off because then we wouldn't have got smashed at the last time, two rounds so much. Because yeah. now the I think the wind tunnel testing shows that the Ford had a massive advantage at Gold Coast and Adelaide. So, yeah. but now wind tunnel's done. It's a, it's the best best testing you can do. So. Um, there should be, hopefully that's put to bed now and no one talks about aero ever, ever again. Yeah. <laughs> Until there's a new okay. model. Okay. Did you go for it? No. 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 Okay. There's no teams invited. Like, there wasn't enough room and you don't need that many egos in a room. You just need the right people in the room to make the right decisions. And I think you came out, in fact, I'm pretty sure you did, spoke at the, uh, the winner's um, press conference about the involvement of Tim in the, uh, the role he's now moved into. That mm. your enjoyment of having somebody who knows what team things are about, rather than somebody who'd been removed for too yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, Tim's going to do a really good job. Of, I've got a good relationship with him. Most people in pit lane have, so I don't think anybody's going to be sweating over. Oh, Tim doesn't like me, or Tim's just—he's actually pretty easy to get along with. So, and he's very up to date with where Gen Three's at as a at a team level, so he can trans, transfer that into a a sporting administration level, I guess, and help us cost save and get the technical side right and, and you know, know the right people to talk to in the teams that are going to give you the right answers, not just the answers that they that they want to hear. Without going into too long a list, um, are there things, I mean, uh, myself and a large number of other people are disappointed there's only 12 rounds still. Mm. Um would that be one of your disappointments about the season? I mean, the fact there's no Phillip Island, there's no Winton. Yeah, it'd be nice to see some of those rounds come back, but it's a business, it's a big business now, and it's got to make sense, and it's got to make money. And there's, mm-hmm. there's shareholders obviously holding their hands out, saying, where's my dividend at the end of the year? And yeah. if they can't make it make sense, well, 
the sports doom. So I think um, they've done the best job with what they could for this year and hopefully they can um, deliver some more rounds, bigger rounds in the future. But it, it, it can't, it's unfortunate that QRs and Wintons, unless they make the money they need to, to profit, well, they're going to be on the adder. And yeah. Phillip Island's probably the same. But um, that's just the reality of business now. It's not just a sport, it's a business. So. You were there, obviously, at Puka Cove for the final ever. Uh, it was pretty massive. Yeah. I, I actually remember in 96 when the very first time that <laughs> that uh, the 12 cars went over. Would you have been working for No, nah, 98 was the first time. I right, okay. Was, 96, yeah. there were 12 cars. Yeah. And it was uh, two rounds of Pookie and then Wellington. Yeah. And um, I always remember David Oxton, and, you know, who's a legend of New Zealand motorsport, mm. running up and down, sort of professional motorsports back in New Zealand. He was so, so yeah. excited. And I was going like, yeah, but they're not open wheelers, they're just touring cars. And he says, it doesn't matter, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And the crowd wouldn't go home. I mean, yeah. on, the, on the Sunday night, they just <laughs> they were just loving it so much. Yeah. I imagine, from what the drivers I've spoken to about it, that's the same sort of feeling there was. Yeah, it was, it was, it was huge. And just the, the fans hanging out at the back of the garage and wanting to talk to people and see people because they've been starved of it for a few years with COVID. And, yeah, it was a pretty good environment. It was, it was um, huge to to be involved in and just see the hill explode when because Shane won didn't he I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was pretty pretty huge and yeah hopefully the Taupo or Ta- Taupo or whatever Taupo. they call it yeah. yeah hopefully that's um huge events too it's like a little goat track really you've but, never been there yeah I've been there once with Super Touring yeah yeah okay yeah. who was that with I was with M Motorsport so it was Murphy's team yeah with um yeah. Uh, Paul Manuel and that yeah yeah, yeah I went there helped out one one time and yeah it was good good little track and yeah i think i worked with owen kelly and greg murphy or something from memory yeah yeah, yeah. I, I um saw some comments i haven't read them yet but uh well i'm sort of saying the driver's gonna be busy in the supercars there yeah it's a tight little track oh, it's a good little layout if they yeah. can get the crowd interaction right that's probably the biggest thing getting mm. them part of the action and close enough to the track and uh, i'm yeah. pretty sure they're going to be shipping in um, grandstands and grandstands, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was there in both the A1GPs ran there. Oh, yeah. And um, it's where I met a, a bunch of European engineers for the first time. And mm. in fact, Nicholas Calliol, who of course is now runs the Toyota series. Yeah. Um, and the great thing was that they were so enthused about it and saying, it looks like Austria because of the little hammocks yeah, and yeah. pine trees and everything. Yeah. It was just uh, quite wonderful. So that should be uh, fun in itself. Um, the, there's the obvious uh, question down the road that the potential for two rounds there in New Zealand. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think it sounds like Tony Quinn's pretty um, happy about it if it can happen because obviously he owns both the tracks if it goes to Hampton Downs or even if it goes to Highlands. Like, I'd love to think it could go to Highlands, but I, I doubt it because I don't know about their track grading and stuff like that but, and also spectator areas and stuff, but that that's just a beautiful part of the world. That's yeah. more than anything if you're selfish, but... Um, yeah, if they had two there, it makes sense because we're all there anyway. We may as well just do two weekends in a row. We we did it all through COVID. It's not yes. not that difficult. So, yeah. one of the last questions is um, Sandown. Obviously, um, next year is potentially, or this year rather, is potentially the last one. Mm. Um, um, you know, if it went to twenty five, it would be amazing. But that's a pretty magic track, and you know the history it has with the sport. Yeah. That'd be somewhere that you'd enjoy. Yeah, it's always a good, it's always a good event, and um, the track lends to good racing, and 
yeah, it's going to be sad to see it go, but I guess um, big business and the housing takes over yeah, um, sports okay. events and, yeah, it, it makes sense for probably them to turn that into houses because making noise there isn't really appreciated anymore and <laughs> <laughs> horse racing, there's enough tracks around. So You're not far from there, are you? No, not really, no, no. no. Um, okay, um, format, <coughs> formats this year of races, or last year rather, um, it seemed to me there's been a lot more sort of sorted out in the way in which the races will run. You know, the, the uh, combination of uh, short and long races, yeah. that all seems to work pretty well now. Do you feel that they're comfortable with it all? Yeah, no, this year's obviously going to turn into more equal races Saturday and Sunday, so um, only only one race a day. But, um, yeah, I, I probably like more races and race starts and... You get to the end of the year, you've done 28 races instead of 22. Or, but, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. A race is a race. you still got to get pole and try and win. So, you know, it's, as long as we keep doing that. Which does lead also, obviously, onto the wear out on crews. Because mm. you've been faced with, for some years now, the, the problem of trying to recruit people. Mm. Um, the sport itself has been chewing up. And when you have those heavy weekends where you are back-to-back-to-back sort of things, yeah. it makes it very difficult. That's still a problem. Uh, it sounds like it is in a lot of teams, but we we manage it pretty well here. I think with our crew, most of our crew have been with us for at least three years now, and we really make sure that they get rest. So once we get back from race meeting, they have a few days off, and if we can have a long weekend, even if it's not a public holiday, we have a long weekend, and um, we don't work crazy hours. We we pretty much everybody starts here at seven thirty, and they're all gone by four. So. Yeah, okay. We, yeah, the boys, Brad Tremaine and Brad Packham down there in the workshop, they manage it really well and they've trained the guys really well. So, you know, we've just got a really good structure that's just a happy place to work. And it, and when you have those big long weekends, all you need is a break, really, a couple of days just at home chilling or down a pub, whatever they want to do, and they come back refreshed. But if you turn into busy weekends and then you have to be at work on Monday, well, that's where you get worn out and you just, why bother? Sort of yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, in terms of involvement in the business of the supercars, do you you don't have any role anymore on commissions or or any of the things? That yeah, I'm still on the commission. Oh, you are. Yeah, okay. I'm still on the commission, and of um sort of the technical side of the technical working group, I get involved in that sometimes. But Brad Tremaine's sort of taking he took that over towards the end of last year, so we're trying to I'm trying to make sure that transitions well because it's not as easy as just going in there and saying, yeah, I know I'm a mechanic, you've got to have a real feel for what the business needs as much as what your team might need or what a, you know, it's got it's a role where I enjoy it because you've got to take your team hat off and think of what the other teams might want as well as you and you can make a big difference if, you, if you're going with the right attitude. Yeah. Given that this is year two of Gen 3, um, I found it quite remarkable last year the number of times, not that I had people say to me that they wanted to work with other teams, but there seemed to me this very strong feeling around the paddock as such that we've got to make this work. You know, mm. there's no point bitching about it. No yeah. point. You know, it was, uh, it reminded me in fact of China when we went there in that, um, you know, there was, we've got to make this weekend work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that seemed a very strong feeling up and down pit lane. Yeah, it was. Yeah. If, if anybody... I guess if you made a commission meeting as an example, you'd say that 
if somebody really had a problem with something, there was a lot of, right, guys, let's just all get our heads together and fix it. No, it's no use complaining about it. It's, we've got this car now or this engine or whatever it is that they're, they're worried about, and we just all work together to fix it, especially when it was something that was a controlled item. There's no advantage for anyone. Like, just let's just get on with it, fix it, and... And a lot of times we all work together to make sure we got the pricing right, to make sure that we could make, you know, if you had to make two parts for your own team, you may as well make 30 parts and everybody um, benefits out of the, the cost reduction. So a lot of that's still going on. And the more that goes on, the better it's going to be. Because you know, it's, it's crazy, all the teams making the same parts. We've got to make, make that better, that we share the load a bit and, and reduce the costs. Um, I, I saw that um, article some short time ago about the wheel bearings, replacing them, mm. upping them in size because they were inadequate. Yeah. Is that all now resolved? Is that all done? Yeah, it's more that they spec the, the original wheel bearing was just a radial bearing, so the radial bearings don't take a lot of load, especially when you bump wheels. So now they've there's only been a slight change to the upright, which... You, we did, didn't all have to make new uprights, and now we've got a tapered roll bearing. Yeah. yeah, so a tapered roll bearing takes about three times the load of a radial bearing. So, okay. we we didn't really have any problem. We had one almost fail, but we caught it before it failed. But they were, yeah, they had a short service life compared to what we used to. But as we all know, with from history, with tapered roll bearings, they'll go probably for two years. They, they and even when you have a wheel to wheel bump they'll probably still be fine. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's the right call. And um, unfortunately, it probably should have been tapered rolls in the first place, but you, you want to go with something that is a bit more technology, I guess. That, that was must have been the, the plan, but yeah. tapered rolls, are, you know, they've, they've been around for forever and they, they, they do the job. So because everybody's on it, there was no use making something that was aimed at performance, which is more what the radial bearing was aimed at. But now we've all got tapered roll bearings, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, the other issue last year, well, the other two issues, one was the gear shifting mechanism, which um, AAA have now admitted that, yes, they made a mistake in not up, upping it up. You had did from the start, I think you'd made it far beefier. Yeah, after the first issues, we, we had one crack at Homebush, actually, and we welded it up there, and then we asked for a, a couple of slight mods, and we modified that. But then we went wanted to go another level, and we designed redesigned the feet a little bit. Yep. It wasn't a huge thing, but it was it made it probably two hundred percent stronger. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, for some reason, AAA either missed it or didn't think didn't see a need to update it for Bathurst, which was a bit crazy. But um, they and they got caught out. But yeah. yeah, but I think that's fine now. Nobody's had a problem since we did that last mod, and I think everybody runs that now. So. You can make everything better, but I, I don't think that's anything we need to focus on. Yeah. And the other one, of course, um, the big bogey was the steering rack. Mm. Um, now, that's been changed or has been changed or is going to be? or No, it's staying as it is. Staying. Um, yeah, okay. there's... It's still the Italian... Yeah, the Sportec thing, yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't really have problems with them. There was a... Again, it's it's... It's probably how you manage it and how you um, learn how to assemble it a certain way. And yeah, it's not the perfect rack, but it's um, it's it's it didn't cause us 
I think there was one race where Brody had a little bit of an issue, but it didn't come down to the steering rack in the end at Townsville. But um, there was something else in the steering system. But you know, we got on on top of that pretty well, and most teams have now. I think I think Shane really had a bug with it, obviously, and that caused him a bit of grief for the year. But um, no, it's 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 fine. There are probably better ways forward long-term when you think about it so uh, there's definitely some long-term plans in place but I think the short term at least the next six months maybe this whole year it'll still be the same steering rack and and um, then just see how we progress with the development phase of what might be better. Now Barry Ryan has a unique place in this paddock there are not many people who are running teams who've actually been on the spanners. Yeah I don't know probably not. Matt, St- Matt Stone's probably one that's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that's just the way I've done it and I've worked, worked bloody hard to get to where I am and the people don't that don't like me or don't get me I don't really care like, yeah. I've got a, my wife and my two daughters and my team here and that's all that matters to me yeah well keyboard warriors have had a go at you over oh, years yeah, 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 um, yeah. but uh, it used to get me down a bit and it still gets my wife and my daughters down but um yeah, well, you, they've just got to learn to deal with it. I just turned off all social media. That's the easiest way. I mean, it, it's extraordinary, the pairing. How did you actually and Betty first meet? When, what, when did that happen? Um, so when I, I left Kelly's at the end of 2011, I um, yeah, I went to work for Bruin in his Formula Ford team because he, he wanted to run a supercar in, in um, Super 2. So I said I committed to that because we've been mates for years and I just really wanted to help him out and have a bit of a break from supercars. But then it was the 12 hour of 2012, so only about a month later that um, uh, Rick Kemp, actually, that I used to work with, yes, with Coney, yeah. uh, he introduced me to Betty out at Sandown and Peter Hackett and that. And we, from there, I just said, they said, do you want to come to the 12 hour and run our program and, for the weekend? And I thought, yeah, that would be a bit of fun. And when did that? And... It just kicked off from there. So, yeah, then I end up going to all the Formula Ford races and then going to GT races and test days. And it was a pretty busy year, 2012. And and then by the end, by November that year, um, Ryan Madison, who was running Erebusera, had um, put me in a general manager role as, uh, for the GT team. And yeah, that's, and that's where it started to build. Moorabbin, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. They moved in Moorabbin. About September two thousand and twelve, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Damo's still here. Damo's probably the, well, he's the longest serving Erebus employee, and he's still here, working hard, and he's a massive part of what we've done. Um, Mount Erebus is something I know as part New Zealander. Yeah. Um, how did the name come about? Do you know that? Oh, I do. It's a, it's um a bit of a spiritual thing, I guess. With Betty, it's a god of darkness i think it is or the chaos or something like that yeah it's something to do with greek mythology yeah you've you've worked in a number of supercar teams Mm. um, when we first met john faulkner's um and obviously kelly's which was a very different organization to what you run here Mm. um and i mean kelly's never reached the pinnacle of what they should have Mm. for the investment the time yeah what they put into it and which is unfortunate, and I feel sorry for him. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, um, Betty is, is somebody like you almost be able to not be able to dream up someone like her as a, a yeah. team owner. Yeah. You know, she has a very different perspective on things. Yeah, definitely. She's um, 
yeah, she's probably I'd, I'd call her one of my best friends now, and she's just a good person. Like you can always get on the phone to her if you got an issue, and she'll talk to you and give you her perspective. And if she, you need to toughen up, she'll just tell you to toughen up. And um, yeah, she's just a just good person, and she's obviously had a, a, a different and hard upbringing. Like even saying hard, like she was obviously in wealth, but. Um, yeah, but it wasn't easy when you, you hear some of her stories about, you know, she had to make appointments to visit her dad and stuff because her dad was always so busy and her mum died when she was really young. And But, um, yeah, her passion for motorsport, wherever that come from, um, is huge. And her passion for just succeeding and seeing people around her succeed is huge. And, you know, she's, she's just a great, great person to have around our sport, not just Erebus, our sport. Have you and she and Daniel, you know, had to sit down and chat about the new season and what you need to do? Sort of. Oh, yeah, we talk every couple of days, but yeah, it's yeah, just trying to do what we what we've been doing. We don't need to do anything crazily stupid. Um, we just got to keep focus on what we're doing. We're always ticking new boxes, and uh, you probably saw down there they got these people in today with a new measuring arm to make sure we can measure the arms, the cars more closely, and be a bit more. Um, on top of those sort of things and yeah we'll invest in bits and pieces we're investing in the workshop and um yeah tools and equipment and you know how we look we want to bounce out and look better than every other team now i think we looked okay the last couple of years but it was always a focus on performance and over anything but now we've got to get the whole package together and make sure that when people walk down pit lane and go wow like you know yeah. they they're fast and they look good so yeah, yeah. Well, Barry Ryan, thank you very much for this uh, pre-season brief. Yeah, no um, Look forward to catching you over the track, and uh, I won't be as many rounds probably this year as I did last. But uh, You've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, you? I know. I know. <laughs> but again, thanks, Barry Ryan. I greatly appreciate you on Inside Supercars. No worries. Thank you, Tony. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia, quality racing components, home of Black TI, bolts, kingpins, studs and torsion stops. Check out their full range today at p1australia.com.